Hello, and welcome to the Hello Digit podcast. My guest this week is Morgan Eckroth. Morgan is the brains, face, and name behind Morgan Drinks Coffee over on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram, as well as managing online content for Onyx Coffee Lab. In 2022, Morgan won the US Barista Championship and went on to come second in the World Championship. This year, Morgan came second in the US and is already gearing up to take on the 2024 season. This episode of Hello Judges is kindly sponsored by Happy Tamper, patented espresso tools for better coffee and peace of mind. Now, for your signature drink, as a final touch, I'm spritzing this podcast with orange blossom water and anise tea, creating the aromatic experience of celebration in the coffee fields of Immaculada. Please enjoy. All right, Morgan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited for this. Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, how's your day been so far? It's quite early where you are now, right? It is. I am a, I'm usually based in Portland, Oregon, but right now I am out in Northwest Arkansas. So I just started my day and, you know, I've got coffee on the side over here. So, so far, so good. Thanks for taking time out of your morning to be with us. What coffee are you drinking? Um, we actually have uh, what is on right now. It's a natural from Las Lajas in Costa Rica. It's very tasty. We we have it on like pretty much every year, and I'm like every every time it rolls back around, I'm like yes, that's the favorite. Quite a well known uh, farm as well, Las Lajas. Yep, yep. We're uh, we're rolling through our like Advent season right now, so the coffees are changing pretty much every day. So it's been a, a treat. Of course, yeah. The Onyx Advent calendar is insane. It's <laughs> the infamous, so cool. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, let's get stuck into competition. Like, how did you get started as a competition barista? What was your first comp? Yeah, absolutely. So I've only ever competed in uh, barista championships. I haven't branched out to any of the others yet. But my first season competing was the, I believe it was the 2019 season for US. Um, I began qualifiers happened in very late 2018. I ended up qualifying uh, and then competing in nationals that year. And then I competed qualifying in 2020 and then uh rolled around back in 2022 after our, our little covid break did you spend the uh the covid break thinking about competition <laughs> a, a little bit definitely um i i knew i after after the 2020 season um kind of interesting so 2020 season which was my second year competing i actually didn't qualify for nationals um which was a, a very hard thing you know being second season the first season i uh i'd qualified so like it was for me i was like oh i'll just i'll just do that again and so um my last season being 2020 was was kind of tricky and then of course COVID happened and all competitions were delayed for quite a bit of time and so i had a a, a good bit to just kind of like sit on what had happened that past season and, and think through why those things had happened and what i needed to improve on and so coming back to compete you know, at that point, basically two years later in 2022, when I won, um, I, I definitely had a lot of time to really evaluate what I wanted to do in competition and also kind of like past failures and how to how to remedy those. Um, and I think that that time off was very helpful. That's great. We'll get stuck into some of those uh, past failures in a little bit. But for like, <laughs> listeners outside of the US can you describe the sort of layout of the US BC season like yeah. how the sort of regional heats go and stuff yeah absolutely so um i'll i'll, I'll describe how it is nowadays it's it's changed very slightly so we have the the very earliest stage of our competition nowadays um it's called preliminaries and that is um a non-required level of competition it's very introductory um you you go in and you are using essentially like a sponsored coffee that the host is providing for you like all competitors are using the same um the goal of the preliminaries is to kind of lower the barrier of entry to competition and allow also first-time competitors uh, to kind of like dip their toes in with have without having to go all the way into like the financial and like time investment so um preliminaries is kind of the first stage of our season um, um, then we have uh, what's called qualifiers, which are which are kind of like our regionals. Um, and so generally there will be two qualifiers kind of on either ends of the US. Um, you choose one to go to and then the top, I believe, usually 18 people from both qualifiers 
that is lumped together into our national competition, which usually happens in conjunction with the SCA Expo, or if it's a year where the SCA Expo is hosting world competitions, uh, nationals will usually be like a separate event so we can wrap up the season uh, prior to all the world events happening. Wow, that's really interesting about the preliminaries. Like, I didn't know about that with the sponsored coffee. Like, it's something I think I've talked about with a lot of competitors saying it would be a really, like, good thing to have. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's an interesting setup. I, I, I've competed in preliminaries once. It was, um, I, I think it was preliminaries for the 2020 season, if I remember. And so that second year I competed. Um, and it was, it, it's quite fun because you, you show up, you bring, like, you don't have to bring wares if you don't want to, but like if you want your own cups and all that stuff, like you can bring those, but you, you go in the day before you cup through, you know, two to three coffees, depending on what the uh, competition is offering. You pick, everyone picks the coffee they want to use. Um, and then you get kind of sent away with like, I think you get sent away with like a couple pounds or like a, a kg of coffee. Uh, and like, that is your competition coffee. It's like, you get dial in time and, and that's kind of it. So it's a fun, a fun challenge that really tackles barista dial and skills, honestly, kind of even better than like barista competition does. Cause it's really like on the fly, like here's a coffee, make it taste good. Yeah. It's completely different to like you heading in with the coffee you've been practicing in for months and you know, <laughs> you know, what sort of ratio inside. You want. <laughs> yeah, inside and out. Yeah. Uh, so how many competitors in total are there usually in the U.S., like roughly? Yeah. So in the in the U.S., it's it's been kind of different year to year a little bit. I, I, I don't want to like misquote myself, but I, I believe it's usually around 32 competitors in total at the national level. Um, they they get divided up a little bit, which makes the numbers sometimes a little bit confusing. So at the national level, we have uh, round one, semifinals, and finals. And in that previous qualifying regional level of competition, that, that top 18 from both qualifier go to nationals, but the top three from both qualifiers, so six in the top six scoring baristas, they get an automatic pass into the semifinals round. And so you then have everyone else goes into round one. And then I believe it's top top 12 I think from round one join up with those six so it's like it goes from like 32 to like 18 essentially in semifinals um and I, I believe that's how the the numbers usually work out yeah makes sense that's great yeah every, I uh explaining the competition layout to to people outside of competition I feel like it's like I need like a, a whiteboard and like string to like start like stenciling out all the routes people can take so, um, a sneaky, heavy question for you. Yeah. Um, what's the uh, inclusivity and diversity like in competition in the USA? Like, is there much representation of like marginalized groups of people? That's a that's a good question. Um, I, I so the the quick and general answer is that it is getting better. You know, I I think it it there is still so much more room for growth um in just the pool of competitors and accessibility of competitions i think you know something that's kind of unique to the to the us in our competition circuit is just how just just the the expanse of how big the us is financially this is a, a very difficult competition to get into independent of like the coffee price the time you have to invest the wares all this stuff like just the travel is is so much more expensive um and that barrier of entry is a, a really major one for competitors um there have been a lot of moves in the last five years but honestly even the last two to three years um to really open up competition to people who might not otherwise be able to try it or have the resources for it like that was that was the goal of preliminaries initially is like here's a way with a low barrier of entry that um we can have more competitions around the uh around the us for new competitors to join in um, for folks who couldn't travel to join in um but additionally on top of that um we have kind of a, a new interesting system that has been integrated into our um, competition sign up process for the last i think it's happened two years now but we we essentially have a, a sign up lottery that occurs as part of the registration process um, for us and so 
um, you have the people from from preliminaries who have like earned qualifying spots um, to begin the full competition circuit. Um, there are some spots left open to just open registration of first come first serve. But then there's this uh, a weighted lottery system um, where folks uh, can essentially like apply to have spots. Um, and I am I will admit I'm unfamiliar with how the back end of that selection process gets gets done. Like that's on the that's on the committee side. Um, but the goal of that lottery, from how it's been explained, is to um, wait towards competitors who like just to, to wait towards a broader, um, pool of competitors. And so I think there's been some really positive shifts in the, in the just pool of competitors, uh, since that's been implemented. And I'm, I'm really curious to see how that grows in the next few years. So I think there's been a lot of really positive strides that we have, we have a couple, um, organizations over here in the US who in past years have done um, really intensive and really, really resource heavy, you know, like training camps for marginalized baristas and baristas of differing identities than you usually see in like kind of your like the standard what competition has looked like for a super long time. Um, and those are done, you know, for free, like those are programs that are essentially running as nonprofits um, just to support diversity and competition. So there's a lot of new and good stuff, but it's like a, you know, it's like we've done some good things. There's there's so much more to do though, for sure. Yeah, it's great to hear that the wheels are in motion, like good stuff is happening and you know, hopefully things will keep building on top of that. Yeah, it's a I can't you can't rest on your laurels. It's like, all right, so so that that seemed to work, that didn't work. Let's take what worked and let's keep building on it. Absolutely. So let's go back to the time before you won the uh, US Barista Championship. Did you say you'd competed twice before uh, winning? Right. Yeah. What were, what were your biggest learnings in those first two times competing? I think, you know, I, I, I hadn't, you know, I've, this season of competition coming up that I'm in now will be my fifth year of competing, which is a lot of years of competing, but at the same time, like it's not. Like there are so many people that have competed for, Far longer than me and I feel like every single season is like this this whole night and day like learning process um but I think the I, I can think back to the first two times I competed and really really pull a lot out of that um the very first year that I competed I I had been a barista I think for about a year and a half I was like barely 18 like super fresh like I didn't really know what I was doing but I was just like really excited to be there um and I had no anticipation of getting to nationals. Like for me, qualifiers was like, like I couldn't see past that. I was like, I just have to like do my best here. And I wasn't even thinking beyond it. Um, and I squeaked in at the very last spot that year. Like I, I remember I looked at the score sheets later and I had, so it's top 18 that move on to nationals. And I had tied in score with the 19th person, but because my espresso scores were slightly higher, I was the tiebreaker that that went on. And so it was like, I like kind of wasn't even supposed to be there. It was like very much lucky, um, but I was in nationals. And so that was, that was a really, really cool experience for my first year. And my mindset at that time, just cause I was like younger and very inexperienced, I was like, the following year when I competed in 2020, I was like, well, I did it like once before I made it to nationals, like obviously I'm going to make it again and, and do better. Like that's just how one progresses. And so I think I went into the season of 2020 with just a, a lot of kind of blind and misdirected confidence in my own abilities, just based off of the past year. And when I didn't make it to nationals, that was kind of like a, a crushing moment of, why, why didn't I? Like, I, I thought it would just happen again. Um, and it was, it was a good lesson to learn of like, you can't ever, you can't ever take anything for granted. Like you have to, you have to try as hard as you can at every level. Um, because that, that's what's needed in the competition. There's no, there's no like free pass just because you did it once before. You can't assume that's going to happen again. Yeah, it definitely takes like digging deep every single time to make it through. So for 2022 USBC, you published your SIG drink on YouTube in advance so people could make it along with you like on the day. What was mm -hmm. your thought process behind that? 
it was <laughs> i mean looking back at it it's like it was i i kind of chuckle at it all i uh that entire routine was um was very interesting to put together the the theme of it for for anyone who doesn't know was essentially like um the year i won was the first year back i say i say back in quotations from covid because it's like we were still very much in the midst of covid like this is the first competition in a while um you know there were tons of people that weren't there like we'd all been just online for so long and so i wanted to talk about in my routine kind of how coffee communication and like education had changed during that time period um and also how hospitality had been like forced to change during covid um and so the the crux of my routine was that prior to being on stage like throughout the entire prep process i'd been basically chronicling and posting live like everything i was going to be doing on stage so, like everyone had my coffee recipes everyone knew my milk drinks and i also like fully published my signature beverage um as you mentioned um and the goal of that was that people at home would be able to you know it wouldn't be perfect obviously they didn't have my competition coffee but like as close as they could recreate what the judges were experiencing on stage so in like a perfect world there'd be kind of this like shared moment of like finally people can taste at home you know what we're doing on the stage um and so that was that was kind of the goal of it all um and it was it was a pretty incredible experience to come off stage after after i think most of my rounds um and to a couple hours later like log in online um and actually see like tags of people being like i made your signature beverage like i i had it while watching the live stream and so that was a that was kind of the goal of that routine and it was really validating beyond winning um it was really validating to see people like engaging with competition at home that way that might not otherwise be involved yeah like with your platform you've got so many followers who have you know will have never have heard of barista competition before and Completely. it's suddenly in front of you know like a million plus people which is quite insane <laughs> for our like niche little world of coffee competition it was it was very fun i mean i i did my best kind of through it all to be like very explicit of like this is what's happening like this is what barista competitions are um but it, it's so hard to like it's so hard to like kind of grasp them especially when you're when you're kind of on the outside of the industry and so the the kind of i like to say like the general energy of everyone who was following along was like we don't really know what we're doing but we're happy for you like it was very like kind of a a blind enthusiasm uh, which was really funny in retrospect yeah whenever i compete afterwards i get like a text from my mom being like oh we watched you on the live stream it sounded really serious <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> i like to think that's kind of the universal competitor experience of all of our parents are like yeah go with whatever you're doing right now <laughs> like because you're so like visible and in the public eye does that put more pressure on you in competition it it, it does and it did um i think i'm i'm more attuned to it nowadays um I was I was very conscious of in that 2022 season um, the fact that I was coming into so it, it was kind of a weird you know a weird thing because I had competed I'd been in the industry prior to ever doing anything online but um, I had really grown online in those kind of like years in between in that like COVID era and so. When I came back to competition in 2022, it kind of felt like I was doing it for the first time. And I, there was a, a sense of like, oh, the, the influencer is competing now. Like that was, you know, a, a sentiment that I knew was just gonna inevitably exist. Um, and also the fact that I was explicitly making my routine about sharing it online. It's like, that really just like doubles down on that attitude. And so I, I just, I knew that was gonna be a component of it, but I was like, I. I care about what I'm talking about enough to push past that. Um, and, you know, there was there was definitely like pushback. Like when I won, it shone a, a spotlight on me to a, a crowd of people that maybe hadn't otherwise cared to like tap into what I was doing online, which is like entirely fine. But there was there was a kind of a thread of conversation of like, um, of like, why? Why did she win? Like, why? Why? like they they it was just like a kind of a publicity thing and i i kind of had to step back and 
you know, recuse myself from those conversations and just kind of remember that's like, I've done this before. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident in myself in this competition, but other people just don't know that yet. And so it's definitely been a few years of, of figuring out how to like engage and know when to engage with those conversations. And also when to know that it's like, they're going to, they're going to say what they're going to say. And I just have to kind of maintain my path here. Yeah, absolutely. And like, surely you've you know you've put all those naysayers uh to rest like coming second in the whole world right <laughs> it's 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 funny i uh i i think for the entirety of the time in between uh winning us and going to worlds i there was a i had this internal sense of like someone's gonna come and like take my trophy away i was like i was just waiting for an email being like no we got it wrong like whoops <laughs> sorry about that and uh, I think a lot of that did come from that that sentiment I saw occasionally of like, you know, why why did the why did the influencer win? Um, and it wasn't until Worlds when I kind of like was able to prove not to anyone else it was purely to myself of like, no I can I can do this like I I know how to do this um, and so I don't think I really felt any um, success from winning US until after Worlds honestly. Well, you know, the, the haters are always going to hate, right? You just got to... Is what it is. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so the past few years have obviously been like a wild ride of barista competition for you. Like, mm -hmm. what was your experience at WBC like? And like, you know, coming so close to winning the world championship? Sure. Well, first of all, WBC was was awesome. <laughs> like, I just got to say, it was, it was the coolest experience. I... Um, going to Melbourne was incredible. I had, I'd been to Australia once before to, to Sydney a very long time ago. Um, and so just the, the fact that I was there in this city, that's so rich in like coffee and cafe culture was amazing. Um, and then I remember walking into the, the convention hall and walking onto like the, the competition floor, um, for that first time for that competitor meeting uh, on like day zero um, and just looking around and being like, oh, I know them. I've been watching their routines for forever. Like I know who that is. Like it just felt like I was in this this room of like celebrities and competitors that I basically like grown up watching in my like, you know, barista life. Um, and so that was like utterly surreal. Um, and I was just like, I was just happy to be there. I was like, I don't, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm having a great time. Uh, and then of course you kind of, you plug into the competition mentality and competition gets started. And it's like, it kind of, it kind of feels like every single round is a battle in and of itself. Like, I don't think, I don't think there was like a single round of competition throughout worlds where I felt like I did well. Um, like I just, it was just a sense of like, I just, I have to do better. Like I, I would only think about all the things that had gone wrong. Um, and then when I made it to finals, like I was, I was just over the moon. Um, I never thought I could do that. And then, you know, you get to finals and you're like, well, we gotta like, we gotta win the thing, right? Like might as well, um, try for that. And so, uh, I second was awesome, frankly, like I, I will be, forever super grateful for that for that position and you know like it, it was really cool to come in second to someone like anthony because i've i've gotten a chance to know anthony douglas like a little bit better we've had some travel together over this past year and stuff like that and he's like he's a super kind like wonderful person incredibly talented coffee professional and so i was i was very satisfied with kind of how everything landed that year um I had a great experience and you know it's kind of one of those things where it's like i hope someday i get to do that again but if that's the only time i ever experienced it like i had a pretty good time so before i um i'm gonna say this one before i forget it because i didn't write it down it's just come to me yeah. i rewatched your finals routine and can we just talk about that moment where you're trying to get the port filter in and it's just not going in <laughs> and, the, and the camera's zooming in closer yeah. and closer <laughs> like i I've watched your routine before and then watching it again I was like oh like it's it's hard to watch like, you, know, someone... you know as a competitor like time is frozen in that moment and you're just you're so utterly aware of this one thing like not not working perfectly 
Well, I, I actually had, there was, there was a couple things in finals. I'm, I just, I feel so grateful that there's no tech in finals because finals was by far my worst tech round. Um, but I, so the port filter thing happened where one of the, one of the little like kind of tongues on the port filter wasn't fully latched in. And so I'm kind of stuck there with one side fully engaged and the other like halfway in. So that was fun. And then there was also a, there was also the, uh, my signature shot incident where I didn't perfectly align my shot glass underneath the portafilter spouts. Um, and so I, I get my shots started. I see them drop. I turn around and talk to the judges. I turn back around. I see like half my shot kind of running off the side of my scale and <laughs> you're just kind of like, great. And, and, you know, thankfully there wasn't any tech. So it like, wasn't a scoring issue. Like it was signature beverage shots. So it's like nothing like, like it was fine, but I will say visually, there were a lot of what looked like large mistakes in finals, which I was just like, well, <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> At least on the score sheets, you didn't see them. So um, a bit of a nerdy question for you. Um, yeah. What's your, like, how do you approach the backstage prep time? Like, have you got like a set plan of how you dial in your coffees and whatnot? I, I do nowadays. I think uh, actually, I, I kind of figured out what my backstage strategy was after Worlds. I think um, actually the most recent season I competed in in Nationals for US last year, like I had it really dialed in, but Worlds was a little bit more chaotic. Um, my my priority always is just tasting coffee like and i i feel like it's like kind of like an obvious answer but like for for a very long time i was like we have an hour like i'm gonna dial in coffee i'm gonna do a full run through like i'm gonna like do all the things um and i had to like kind of let a lot of that go um just because i was starting to get too stressed and i was like this is my chance to just taste we're gonna be calm we're gonna be relaxed i've been rehearsing the motions for like months at this point like getting one more run through in of those motions is not in any way going to be more beneficial than spending that extra 30 minutes on coffee. Um, and so I, I've got like, I've got my music that I like plug into. Um, I've got kind of like my, the, the mental zone that I go into and I'll really just like power down on dialing in coffee um, and feeling really confident with all of that. I think something I also really like to do is just kind of, mine through a lot of my like tech actions just because the training lab that I usually end up training in uh is a little bit different than what usually the world and the U.S. like setups are and so having a little bit of time just to review the spacing of everything has been nice for me um but that that's really all I do in warm-up time like the everything else like making drinks like pouring all that stuff I'm like I know how to do that that will be fine I'm just going to look at these very last two things that matter um, and then go on stage and, you know, you kind of cross your fingers at that point. Were there any sort of um, like subtle, small things like throughout your birth championship, like run essentially your time in Melbourne? Yeah. Was there anything that was like super essential, but really like small and not often talked about or noticed? I know it's quite a complex question. Sure. That's a good question. Um, I think, I think, so there's, there's kind of like two, twofold. I think there's kind of like the, the, the mental side of it. And then there's like the, the technical side of it. Um, one thing I, I will say just in this so generally is just like bring more coffee than you think you need. I think, uh, one of the main stressors that occurred at WBC in 2022 was that, um, we got, we we ran out of coffee like at the end like the like after finals um we were uh we were chatting with dale harris afterwards um and he was like let's pull like some shots like let's taste coffee since we're all done and i was like these are this is the last 20 grams of my competition coffee that we have um we got down to the point in the dial in time prior to finals um where we were counting out how many grams we had left and doing the math on how many shots we could allocate uh, and that was just this terrifying additional like layer of stress that like didn't need to exist um 
so so just being more intentional about that moving forward is like a huge thing um i think for for competitors and i i don't know how true this is for everyone but i i think there's usually a, a pretty big mental strain on you throughout the entire process too and being cognizant of that and taking care of yourself mentally as well as you know like physically and making sure the coffee tastes good is like such a huge assist to you as a competitor and so for me that looked like you know at times recusing myself from the competition area to just like go outside and remind myself that there's a world beyond this like stage that you're on um it's it's doing things like getting out of the getting out of the arena um for a bit like being able to say no to things when you need to say no, rather than just trying to do it all. Um, I think being really cognizant of, of that component of competition is something that's easy to, easy to forget about, but it will pay off in like dividends. If you can, if you can maintain a good mental state as well as everything else. Yeah, completely second that. Like it's definitely even just going outside and having a little walk down the street and like breathing in some, you know, air that's not from the arena. Oh my word. Not breathing in coffee and like ground espresso yeah. constantly. <laughs> yeah, like especially I know in the UK we had like the competition, there was loads of coffee there. There was the backstage, loads of coffee. Yeah. And then also there was other people like serving coffee for people watching. So it was just like, it's like I just want I can... something that's not coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I took some tea bags with me. As you said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so last one on uh, World Barista Championship. Yeah. You um, you had a trip to Colombia to visit Immaculada to like help source your coffee. What was that like? Mm -hmm. Oh, it was, it was incredible. I, that was the first and so far only time I've been to Colombia. Um, and it was, I, I, I'd been to Costa Rica prior to uh, that trip, but I feel like Colombia was like my first, like, kind of like, we are going to like select coffees, um, trip. And it was, I mean, like it's Immaculata is beautiful. Like, first of all, just the farm itself, um, is the the main kind of facility where they do a lot of milling and uh their drawing and like everything is located in what was previously i believe it was like a, a girl's school so it was like a, a catholic girl's school um and so you can still see kind of the original layout of these like different pavilions and squares where people had classes like it's a a really really cool facility that they've modded um to now be for coffee production um you know, Julian and the entire team at Immaculata are incredible. Um, they were so supportive throughout the entire process, both myself and then Alika uh, Lifty, who was also competing for US. We were using, um, I think we, I think we might have used different lots, uh, but both of us were using uh, a combination of Sudan Rume uh, and Eugenoides, and so we had, you know, huge cupping table set up. Like both of us are like kind of dialed in, like really trying to select what we want. And it was just a, a very quick, but a, an incredible kind of like first experience uh, going to origin. Uh, I'd like to go back someday. I'm kind of like, like one of these days, but um, yeah, it was, it was very special to after competing at us with these coffees to finally be able to go and like visit this place that I'd been talking about on stage. And then in worlds, of course, being like, okay, I actually, I've got like, I have I have real of my own visual references to what I'm speaking to, which, you know, it it was very helpful. I think to kind of write that script out. Yeah, I've mentioned it like tons of times before on the podcast, but having that genuine human connection to like the coffee you're talking about because you've met the producer or you've been to the farm or whatever, it sort of gives you this extra level of confidence to like really tell the story. And it it made me like not I, i'm trying to think of like the right way to phrase this but it's just like you know i i and i like we we all like as as coffee professionals like we we talk about this a lot but it's like you know there's so many excellent and just delicious coffees out there uh and as a competitor you kind of like you kind of get married to a coffee for like a year <laughs> during during the competition process um and it's one thing to like know that coffee like inside and out flavor wise but it's just like this 
it's such a good grounding reminder of why I love being in this industry to like go meet the people who were involved in the making of that coffee that I now get to prepare. Um, and just kind of connecting all those dots is such a, a good reminder of like why we do this. Um, so it was, it was a very special thing for sure. Definitely. So the other week you posted a video about you starting to prep for the 2024 uh, season because you just can't get enough of it. Back into the fire I go. <laughs> yeah. How have you changed how you prepare for the competition based on your experience? Yeah, I, I'm a lot more dialed in now. Um, I, I definitely, it's, it's still a little bit throwing mud at the walls and seeing what sticks, but it's a lot less than it used to. I am. I, I know what my creative process looks like nowadays uh, with how I create my routine. I went into this season pretty much knowing what I wanted my coffee to be and to taste like. And so that, of course, simplifies some things. Um, and I also just, like, like, the more you compete, the more you understand what technical needs to look like. Like, what tools do you need to have? Like, what information do you have to have in your script? And so you just start plugging in all those given things that you, you're required to have, essentially, to have a good routine. Uh, and you find pretty quickly, like, there isn't that much space left over afterwards. And so it's pretty easy to then start filling in those gaps with, like, what your message is, what you want to say, what innovation, whatever have you. Um, whereas in, in previous years, when I was, when I was starting out, I would kind of be, I, I felt like I was looking at like a blank canvas. Um, and then just like, it just, it took so long to put together a routine because I'm trying to do it all from scratch every time. Whereas I feel like nowadays I come to my canvas and there's already like, like the line work for the drawing is already done. And it's like, all right, like what color do I want to put here? And like, you know, how do I want to kind of shade this area? And so that makes the entire preparation process both a lot less stressful. It makes it more efficient. Uh, and I think it results in a, in a better end product each time. Yeah, that's a to really great way of putting it, actually. And I think like the experience of having done it before, like, you know, like, okay, I know if I'm talking about this, I definitely need to mention this because this is yeah. going to score me points. Yep. It's like, and you just, like, I, I did a, um, a kind of a, a class for new competitors, um, I think about a year and a half ago now, and, and pretty much everyone in the room uh, had never put together like a script before. And we were specifically talking about scripting. And I, I, I did the math, like I literally pulled up my world barista routine. And I went, I, I went and I counted how many words were like technical words that needed to be in the script of like, elevation, processing, like variety, like just the, the stuff that has to be there. Um, and it was, I believe, two thirds of my script, and it's like a 1500 uh, word script, like two, two thirds are just technical information. And so when I was looking at these competitors, I was like, I know it feels like you're like staring down like a, like a cliff right now of like the script you need to write. But I'm like, as soon as you know your coffee, you've already got two thirds of your script written. Like you just like, it's, it's not as much as you, as you think it is right now. And I was like, take solace in that at least. Yeah. I've got uh, a friend, Ollie, who's like, he's competed loads of times. And he says, when you're writing a script, you have to look at it like an annoying child. And like, every time you say something, <laughs> you have to imagine someone's asking why, like, why yeah. is this relevant? So you're like, it's my coffee's grown at 1,700 meters above sea level. Why is that Why? important how it's going to taste? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, what motivates you to compete? Like, what keeps you going? They're twofold. Um, I think to be a competitor in coffee, like, you have to, there, there has to be a sense of competition of, like, I want to win. And so that that's always a component and i like to get that out of the way because i think it's like it's good to recognize that in yourself um but i i i am a very very firm believer and that can in no way be the only reason you're competing and if that's the only reason you're competing you're gonna have a pretty miserable time um and so for me i find the i touched on this a little bit earlier is i find the entire process of putting together a routine um 
really challenging in in a really really fun way like the this kind of like vacuum that you get put in forces you to learn in a really interesting way that is hard to recreate i think outside of the competition like kind of circuit um back when i very first started competing i'd been only working as a barista for like a year and a half um and so by putting together a barista routine i was i was forced to learn so much more than i would have ever learned in that time period had i not been competing um and that that is true every single time that i compete and so um my my motivation for competing is to continue to force myself to learn and kind of evolve in my career and as a barista um and also i think it's i think it's really fun like i i genuinely have so much fun going through the process i love uh, especially like you know the u.s community of competitors like i have a lot of really good friends um both that work behind the scenes that work as competitors and so just being a part of like that community is super fun and so those two things the learning and the enjoyment of the process are like my primary motivators and then there's kind of like a, a secondary i think motivator of just being like competitive and wanting to do this because it's this like chase to perfection that's very very satisfying to to go through every time it's a good answer like everyone's got different things that motivate them and like the competitiveness is like an underlying one for everyone i think <laughs> it's 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 like the, it's like why do you want to do it well it's like i want to win like yes but it's like you gotta you're not gonna win every time it's like what what else are you gonna take from this yeah I, I don't think uh anybody ever won by accident like i think everybody who won <laughs> wanted to win pretty much <laughs> uh like you've got multiple jobs right like so you're a barista you've got a very successful youtube channel and multiple you know social media platforms and you run onyx's online channels and you work with various other great companies in different capacities like how do you manage not only your work-life balance but also adding competition into the mix <laughs> uh great question i'll uh, <laughs> when i when i know i'll let you know but i can <laughs> i can give you kind of an overview so um so what my what my layout of jobs is nowadays is a little bit different than it was previously um so i i consider morgan drinks coffee to essentially be my full-time job like it it operates and like runs as a business like it's pretty labor intensive uh, so that's like my my full-time bit um i work at onyx uh and i'm the content marketing uh, specialist so um i'm behind the scenes on quite a bit of projects we we have a social media manager creative director like a, a full marketing team and so i'm a part of that and have been there for close to two years now. Um, and then I, I was a barista for a very long time. I also had that role thrown into the mix. Um, I stepped back from that uh, this summer, actually, which is the first time in a, a very long time I haven't worked shifts. Um, and it was purely out of just like, kind of what you kind of alluded to of like, how do you do all that? And it finally got to the point where I couldn't do all of it anymore. Um, and so I, so nowadays I officially have two jobs, which is very exciting to say. Um, and then, yeah, competition gets thrown in there and then that's another job as well. And the, the answer to it is, I don't think anyone should do all of those things. Uh, I would never ever recommend it to anyone. Um, but for me personally, I, I like the speed of it. I like the combination of things. Um, I'm not someone who can be bored or stop moving like that's very hard for me to do and so having all these things around me and in my life um that are jobs you know but are things that i get a lot of fulfillment from and love doing like like that's what really drives me and keeps me motivated is just kind of this maintained momentum of like what's next like what's the next project what's the next thing what's the next season um and they also all feed into one another you know it's at the end of the day they're all touching coffee and that's something that i'm passionate about and so i i like having all those different touch points how do you like uh decompress like what do you do to like step away and relax and stop from burning out <laughs> relax what <laughs> i am um, i have definitely experienced periods of burnout like it's a a very real thing especially in like the the content creator internet side of my job like 
uh, I think any any content creator you talk to uh, that's done it for a long enough time, it's like you you just you go through mountains and valleys of like burnout and inspiration. Um, I think for me, learning how to time manage is not something I'm great at yet, but it is the key to not burning out of just being very clear with like my division of time and what gets allotted to each job and task has been very important. Um, also having things that I do and interests that aren't that aren't coffee and that aren't online um, and will probably never be online uh, is really great. So I do I do a ton of reading. That's like my my favorite thing to do as a hobby. Um, I also really enjoy writing and just like like creative writing. So it's like nothing that'll really like go anywhere anytime soon. But it's like I've got like it's cheesy, but it's like. I've got like this like fantasy novel project that I just kind of have been working on for like four years and it's not for anything. It's just not coffee and it's a little bit more relaxing than everything else. So I, I'm very intentional about having those hobbies um, that kind of balance out everything else. That's great because like sometimes it's so hard to forget, like so hard to remember that there's more to life outside of you know being in a coffee competition thinking about coffee all the time <laughs> i think a lot of people in the coffee industry like tend to have a personality where you're like great my hobby is my job like i'll just put all my They're energy like, in what it. do you do and i'm like i i go to coffee shops in my free time i'm like i don't know <laughs> um what are some of your favorite barista championship routines that you've seen oh that's a that's a fun question um I okay I, I might have to like kind of go across and like down a couple lists here I uh, I just actually wrapped up my what I call it like pre-competition season of re-watching routines where it's like every night I just sit down and watch four routines um some of my favorites I mean it it's a classic but like Aga's routine the year she won WBC it is a favorite of mine the way she approached that um and the judges and spoke to the judges i think is is really special and it's it's a fun one i like to go back to um it feels like cheating to say because she's like one of my coaches but andrea allen's um routine as well um i had i've been lucky enough to see kind of different iterations of her routines over the years um in the u.s circuit and so i've been pretty familiar with the evolution of like the hand washing and like her hospitality on stage and to to see it you know then win and go to wbc was like a you know kind of a, a tearjerker moment after all these years um there's a a couple a couple u.s competitors that i've really really loved there's a a really old it's it's probably from gosh it's like the early 2010s, I think, um, maybe kind of like the middle 2010s. But uh, Sam Lewanton, who's now um, like a head judge and like very deep into the judging side of competition, um, incredible like U.S. like multiple finalist time competitor. Um, he has some great routines that really tap into his background in like theater and presentation. Uh, so his style of presenting has always been great to me. Um, trying to think of any others there's honestly there's just so many um i i really really honestly enjoyed claire's routine um from last year like my year and i will say also from my year um Paka's routine uh who was the japanese barista champion um he was actually the only routine that i got to see in person at wbc uh, just because I was so like stressed out and like running around, like you don't get to watch really anyone else's routines. Um, but I had my, um, I had my stage set up right after him. And so I was waiting on the side of the stage and got to watch his entire routine. And that was really cool. Um, he had a, he has like a fantastic way of presenting and just like, it, it was also tight and like well put together like it has to be at that point but like it was such a treat to see that one in person rather than like watching it later um on youtube yeah that was awesome that was the one where he was like blending in like a gram of robusta and yep. 
He yeah, actually, I, I, he passed off a, a small bag of his comp coffee afterwards. Um, so I then got to go home later and like drink his competition coffee. And I was like, of course, it's like as amazing as you would expect. Uh, I've actually got Aga on the podcast tomorrow. Um, do well, you have hello any... from me. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any questions you'd like me to ask her? Oh, gosh. I... It's been, I, I'm trying to hear, I'm trying to like think of a good question for her, frankly. <laughs> I guess, I think something that, you know, I'm, I don't think I've ever talked to her specifically about, because we've had like, we've had like kind of a couple conversations over the course of running into each other at competition, but I'm kind of in a similar way, very curious how she does all that she does. Um, I also like, am so curious to dive into her, like, training process through each season and how it changes based on what competition she's doing like that would be something that I'd be very curious to hear about when I listen to the episode with her yeah definitely I did have <laughs> some questions for her based around that so we'll she's done make sure so to dig many so many different ones and it's like barista has its own format of preparation but I'm like all right do you do the same thing for for the, all the other ones or do you have like a different I guess format for each one well, yeah, she's the most successful competitor across all coffee competitions of all time. Yep. Like a whole title. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting prepared. Um, what advice do you have for people competing for the first time or people who aren't sure about competing? Yeah, um, do it sooner than you think you should or are prepared to. Um, I think it's pretty pretty universal across competitions that if you wait until you feel like you're ready to compete you're like actually never going to compete um i think throw yourself into it um be ready to learn coming out of it and know that you'll just get better each year um and, and don't wait to start that process because it's it's very hard to replicate and understand what competition is going to feel like for you personally unless you try it out there's no way to compared to other people's um processes and you can't assume that that will be yours and so just try it out if you think you want to do it the worst thing that's going to happen is that you're going to learn a lot and that's not a bad thing yeah absolutely and like the season is only once a year so like if you don't get in it now <laughs> then like another year is going to go by However, if you do get in it, you may find that your entire life becomes competition very quickly. Oh, yeah, definitely something to be wary of. <laughs> I think that's a, a good place to end it. Thank you so much for taking the time to do the podcast with me. Amazing. This was super fun. Thanks for listening to Hello Judges podcast. As expected, a great episode with Morgan. Lots of info to digest, not only about Morgan's competition story, but some helpful key tips to keep in mind for anyone listening who's gearing up for the 2024 barista season. My guest next time is Aga Royevska, so make sure you subscribe to stay up to date. If you have any questions or any suggestions, you can email me at hellojudgespodcast at gmail.com. Once again, thanks to Happy Tampa for sponsoring this episode. We're going to let this podcast cool down a little to the optimum listening temperature, so please do not assess until I have called time. Thank you. Time. <laughs>